stop. Daily thoughts. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. first ever episode of D-Train Daily. Uh, my name is Dave, lifelong Yankee fan uh, from New York. Um, grew up watching the Yanks my whole life. Uh, favorite Yankee all time, gotta be either A-Rod or probably Mattingly, I guess. Um, but yeah, so start a pod with my buddy, Dan, and I'll toss it up to him. Yeah, this is Dan, like Dave lifelong Yankee fan from the New York area. Uh, we're starting this podcast against all good reason, but the Yankees kind of drove us to this point with their indecisions and their bullpen decisions. So we're hoping that we can provide you with a little commentary from the fans' perspective and just help us get along through this offseason and into the next season, whenever that is. Yeah, we're no, by no means are we authorities on anything that goes on with the Yankees. We're just two fans that are very bored and pretty much driven to madness after how many years now? What? Three? Years of failure. Yeah, 11 total years of failure and then four consecutive years of just playoff heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, one with an asterisk at least, but we will digress on that one. Um, yeah, so we decided to start a pod. Um, probably not our best idea, but we're going to go with it. Um Basically, for the first few episodes, I guess, obviously during this fall winter period, just outlining the offseason and where things went wrong uh, with the team. Probably start off with where things went wrong. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on uh, what do you think were the main points where we have a lot of uh, similar opinions on this? But Yeah, uh, I think it all goes back to pitching. I think the hitting for the Yankees was pretty good. Last game, of the season in the playoffs aside where they couldn't really manage anything. Um, the lack of starter depth was something that really reared its face in the postseason. A lot of that has to do with Severino going down, obviously, but the bullpen was a problem, which I never expected to come up since they were touting this Ottavino Britain Chapman thing for, for I guess the last two years now. And it really just came back to bite us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Starting depth was a huge thing. Losing Seve, big deal. We did not expect to lose him to Tommy John. Um, then, of course, we lost Paxton. And then with the layoff, obviously, from COVID, we thought, like, okay, yeah, he'll come back. He'll be a full strength and just never really was. Um, but that goes back to, like, another big thing, obviously, injuries. Like, just yeah. keep killing us for the last couple of years, obviously. Yeah. Not just the starting pitching, but also to the offense as well. Obviously, the offense during the season was, I thought, a huge concern. And then in the playoffs, they did turn it on. Last game, of course, notwithstanding, but the offense as a whole, I'll admit, not like the biggest issue. It's just we have a huge lack of actual pitching depth, and I guess the bullpen, of course, not as vaunted as we all thought. Losing Tommy Canley, that was a huge one. TK, yeah. the guy. All right, um, tight pants. Yeah, RP tight pants, aka, yeah, well, well, not that bulge's other nickname, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, losing. A lot of guys' injuries hurt us again. Uh, and the next man up uh, mentality kind of disappears after you go through two straight seasons worth of just crushing injuries. So It's not really a next man up thing when you're expecting the guy to start for a good chunk of time. I really think this injury bug hurts more from a not having guys be conditioned throughout the season thing where we're not getting consistent reps from the same players. Um, we're expecting Judge and Stanton to be healthy, I would say, hopefully 80 to 85% of the time. Um, and then we got him back for the playoffs, but these are guys that are coming off no ABs with live pitching, and we're just throwing them into the fire. Luckily, Stanton was a stalwart throughout the playoffs. He was making hard contact with the ball, squaring it up and hitting it out of the park more often than not. But relying on that type of success is going to leave you out to dry more often than not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, hot takes like during the actual like playoffs, it was just like, and like for me too, honestly, as well as like, you know, Yankee Twitter and whatnot, it was just like, oh, why can't Judge pick it up? But obviously a lack of like rehab games and they just kind of threw them. They were like, here's, what was it like five, 10 games before the actual playoffs began? And they were just like, all right, go ahead, do your thing. And yeah, and they were mostly cold during those five games going in, Judge especially. Um, yeah. 
I mean, we all thought he was about to turn it on. He turned that first pitch into the seats. But, I mean, you saw he was struggling to either make contact with the ball or when he did make contact with the ball, especially in the playoffs, it was just weak grounders to the third base side. So there was definitely a lot of residual effects from not getting those live ABs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there definitely was, like, a lot of layover from just his injury. You could even tell, too, with his timing at the plate. Like, he was trying to be as patient as possible. Like, he usually is, like, because he's got a great eye, honestly, with judging the strike zone. But he couldn't really get, like, his timing there because he would take a lot of just meatballs down the middle or, like, breaking balls that are usually swing at and crush, but he would just take them, which, you know, frustrating, of course. But the guy really just couldn't get his feet underneath him coming back from the injury. Stanton, though, different story. Um, very positive about him coming into next year. Um, I know we all like the crush him because he came over that deal. He's owed a lot of money and he hasn't really been healthy. Um, you know, you kind of have to root for the guy. He just opted into his contract. So we are stuck with him for better or worse. Hopefully for better. So hopefully you look at this playoffs and hopefully you can continue the momentum into 2021 have at least a moderately healthy year. I'm not expecting full perfect health, but, you know, 130 games is all I ask. Yeah, you get... never can expect the full health with Stanton and Judge, especially as the recent years have shown. I mean, you can't blame the guy for opting into a contract when he's owed hundreds of millions of dollars and he's just playing in the bright lights of New York and it seems like he can handle it pretty well. But um, one yeah. of the things that concerns me with Stanton associated with the injury thing is I definitely foresee – the both Boone and Cashman just taking him out of the uh, the fielding lineup every day now because that calf injury seems to flare up every time he's out there running the bases and I'm sure they're worried about it coming up he's chasing down a fly ball or a line drive and left um, so we're gonna have to expect that Stanton's the everyday DH so that leads us with more questions. I mean, what do you do with Gary, who's been a defensive liability behind the plate? And do you really have this mobility in the infield to move guys around that we used to have when you had Stanton out there and left? Yeah, we talked about this before off the air, obviously. Um, but um, I guess like a simple solution, honestly, would just be kind of a platoon between DH and right so far between him and Judge. Obviously, Judge is a superior fielder, but, you know, Judge has the same health questions. You might yeah. as well do like, you know, Figure seven games a week with no all day, just like that, or you know, six games, whatever. You do half judge, half Stanton between DHing and the outfield. You know, two games judge in the outfield, one game Stanton, the three games here, just like that. You know, split it up, have some load management between the two of them. It gives you options. Um, I guess I'll bring it kind of bring us to like our, or actually, and also you talk about infield depth too. I guess I'll bring us to our next topic. Um, just talking about acquisitions we would like to see. Um, Big names obviously being thrown around, um, some realistic, some unrealistic. Uh, in terms of just trade targets, of course, uh, we they've talked about infield flexibility. Glaber uh, defensively hasn't been the greatest uh, at short and talks about moving him to second, but then you're like, okay, we all want DJ back, of course, MVP candidate. You can slide him over to first, you can slide him over to third. Then it's like, well, what do you do with Geo? What do you do with Voight? Are they trade chips? Are they DH candidates? I mean... I think we've talked about like our big vision. Um, Lindor has been like our kind of white whale in that regard. Um, But then you wonder like, okay, do you flip Voight for him? Do you flip Voight for something else? Pitching obviously is the big concern. Um, I guess what I see is that you could flip for Lindor in some sort of package. Um, Possibly with Voight as a headliner, possibly not. I'm not really sure. Or would you flip Geo back to the Indians? I don't know how that would go. Um, I don't know. Do you want to take this, I guess? Uh, I foresee the biggest issue with this is that it seems like the Indians and Yankees have now this wild card rivalry going on, especially in the playoffs. And these two teams seem to face off each other all the time. This season excluded when there were no battles with the Central or West Divisions. But I'm just worried that the Indians are going to be reluctant to flip Lindor to the Yankees, even if the Yankees bring a package that's worthy of a trade or a trade piece like Lindor. So, I mean, that's one thing to look at going forward. Number two, I do see any member of the current infield DJ excluded due to his impending status as a UFA qualifying offer pending. Um, I would like to see one of these players possibly moved either in a Lindor or a starting pitcher move. 
Uh, I do see Voight as an expendable piece like you do. Um, that's not to say that we hate Void or anything like that. We no, just kind of see I love Voight. I just think that Voight provides the same thing that Judge and Stanton are providing. And Gary back when he was actually able to hit the baseball. Correct. Uh, so I think People, Voight yeah. is going to provide some gravitas to a trade package, especially since he just led the league in home runs. Yeah. The counterpoint would just be that, okay, Voight just played through an injury the whole season, but I mean – yeah, You know, people are like, oh, well, you can tough it out versus Judd and Stan, obviously, who had to miss significant chunks of time. So it's like if you miss the two of them and now you're missing Voight, who picks up the slack? Yeah. So it's I, kind of a catch-22 in that regard. Yeah, I mean, you hope either Gary puts it together or maybe he becomes the central piece of a trade package, which I think a lot of people are looking to now that, you know, he's starting to decline in hitting as well as his – suspect fielding which we've already known about Mm -hmm. um i think i remember one of the players some players said that gary is probably looking for a change of scenery just to get out of new york kind of get his head straight and i think that could be beneficial for him and the yankees if he could get a package again surrounding some starting pitching or even shore up that bullpen depth yeah absolutely uh i think the player in question actually you're talking about was uh didi when he gave that long interview with uh, the fan actually a couple weeks ago um that's another guy who I think a lot of fans and uh, ourselves included like would like to see come back. Didi, obviously, great Yankee, was uh, the f- the first of like this baby bomber generation in uh, in some regards. Um, took over for Jeter, of course, nearly flawless transition. Uh, but the breakup was kind of messy. They uh, they prioritized going after Cole before him, uh, which you could say rightfully so, rightfully not doesn't really matter. Um, but it was kind of anticipated. Uh, he came out the time of John's surgery, but he did, he did break this year. He did have really good numbers with the Phillies, small sample size, of course, but the numbers looked in line pretty much with his, you know, 2017, 2018 timeframe uh, for the most part. So, uh, so that brings us to our next thing. Uh, our, our sort of off season plan, or at least part of it, starting pitching. That's kind of our big need for the most yeah. part. Um, do you have any set uh, targets in mind that you would like potentially be interested in the Yankees making a move for? I think we both are in the same ballpark here. I think Lance Lynn is the number one target that a lot of people have in mind. And he was a former member of the pinstripes, but he's had this renewed success and people think they can acquire him for maybe not too much in terms of prospect depth. So I think Lynn is someone that's going to be on the Yankees radar um, and then after that, I'm not really sure, to be honest, about starting depth. You have to assume that you can hope that Seve comes back. I don't know about Domingo Herman after his, you know, incident, so to speak. Um, I don't think the Yankees want to have him back despite what they're doing with Chapman. So I think there is a large question mark over the middle of the rotation so far. There is. Uh, in the end of the season, you know, press conferences and interviews – Hal Seinbrenner and Cashman both were a little non-committal on Herman so far. Uh, he's kind of in the plans, kind of not. I know he's supposed to be going to winter ball in the DR along with uh, Andrew Har as well, who we'll also talk about at some point and uh, Gary. Um, so he could be in the plans. Um, obviously if nothing comes up in terms of making a move, which I don't necessarily anticipate, I think they will make a move just yeah. for who's the question, obviously. Um, but yeah. Lance Lynn would be excellent. Uh, he did have his time in pinstripes. People don't remember too fondly because that ALDS game, Boone should just not have brung him into that game. I think we all know that yeah. by now. Yeah. His management choices are an entire episode's worth of discussion. We will get to those at some point. Um, we're not an anti-Boone podcast, but obviously we do have our gripes with him. Yeah. I'd say for sure. We're not really like anti-anybody to be totally no, honest for the most just part. just got gripes that we need to air out. Yeah, it's just normal fandom stuff, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, Lance Lynn, definitely a big target. I know the rumored asking price was like Clint and Clark Schmidt was rumored at the middle of the year, um, or the middle yeah. of the season at least. I don't really know if they would revisit that because he'd just be a rental at this point. But it's some he's someone to look out for. Uh, in terms of thinking creatively, in terms of like, uh, you know, cheaper options, because apparently we are in a budget. Uh, Hal and 
cash both said they're up against the wall kind of in terms of a budget with COVID hitting and no fans being able to come to the stadium take that for what you will um you know could be true could be not we're just going to take him out the word for now in terms of cost effective options um Corey Kluber also another ex-ranger ex-indian as well um He's been a rumor target uh, just because we have Matt Blake, our pitching coach, came from the Cleveland organization, so there's a history there. He probably would not cost much at this point, I think, because he is coming off a couple of injury plague seasons. He hasn't been the same ace that he's been, like, back in 2018. But we don't need him to. We just need him to make some consistent starts throughout the season. Just give us something that happened Paxton hasn't been able to consistently give. Correct. I think at this point he's probably looking at like a one-year deal on the high end, obviously with like heavy incentives and like maybe a club option for like, you know, 2022 on the low end. If there's no interest, I guess like a minor league deal would be a snag because on his best day, we've all seen what Corey Kluber can do. He's an ace on his worst day, you know, worst case scenario. I think you just caught him once like Sevy's healthy and ready to go or something like that, or, hopefully not sooner, but I feel like he'd be a good candidate. He's only 35 years old. Just see what he has left in the tank. I guess it wouldn't hurt to try. Yeah. Um, other possible back end free agents. I know everyone's looking for the ACE, of course, everyone expecting Trevor Bauer or Marcus Stroman. Honestly, don't think either one of those are happening. I don't even think cash is going to offer anything to either of them. No, I know they're trying to start stuff on Twitter. Of course, you know, that's, yeah, that is what they're going to do. They want to spur up interest. They're trying to, the two of them are kind of like in that, uh, you know, NBA social media type mentality where it's like, you have to stir up drama, of course. And like, that is cool. Honestly, all that. And I do appreciate the two of them for trying to spur some sort of like, you know, reaction from fans and teams and whatnot. I don't really think teams take that into account, but fans eat that stuff up. Some do, at least some do enjoy that. Some don't care for the drama. Um, yeah. Ourselves kind of included. We're not really, Big fans of either of them uh, on social media. But, uh, the, you know, I don't think the Yankees will try to look for those two. But in terms of cheaper options, uh, I did have Alex Wood coming off the season with the Dodgers as a possible candidate. Uh, Wood was, as of 2017-2018, he was like a second ace, really, for the Dodgers down that stretch, I remember, in that time span. He got hurt, and then they flipped him – or they flipped him to the Reds in that mega deal, I believe. Uh, with Puig and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then he got hurt. He hasn't really been the same. But in the playoffs, he pitched pretty well this year um, as a bullpen option. So he could be a nice little lefty-type starter. He doesn't really do what the Yankees look for, where he throws hard fastballs. He's more of a uh, like a chunk kind of a pitcher, uh, a little bit like Monty in that regard, where he has a lot of different pitches and arm slots and whatnot. So that could be a good cheap option. Uh, another one, another – actually, I have two other lefties here. Uh, Drew Smiley was another big one. He had a really good year for the Giants. Small sample size, only made like nine appearances, and I think like seven starts, but had really good numbers. He's only 31. Shouldn't be too expensive, honestly. And then uh, Mike Miner, another ex-Texas Ranger. Uh, the Rangers have actually had like surprisingly good starting pitching recently. They just haven't been all healthy at the same time, and their offense hasn't been good either. Uh, but Miner coming off uh, – Split season between the A's and the Rangers uh, was a Cy Young candidate as of 2019. Uh, fell off kind of big time in 2020. Uh, could be just a good back end option, honestly. He's, I believe, 34 or thereabouts. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, those could be some good cheap options to look into, in my opinion. Uh, do you have any trade targets you want to look at other than Lance Lynn? Uh, I. Don't have any off the top of my head. I saw something online about Alex Reyes from the Cardinals, but mm. I think that would involve a substantial prospect haul. I mean, all these guys are. All these teams are going to be holding on to their pieces for as much as they can get, again, due to these COVID times and just not having the budget for free agents. Um, I think a lot of people always look at the Mets as trade targets, um, specifically Thor, Noah Syndergaard about two years ago. All the Yankee fans think, oh, man, this guy's going to look great in pinstripes. I mean, yeah. the injury history is a little worrying. Um, and they also look at Steven Matz, who hasn't been a very consistent pitcher over the last two years. My only concern with that is I think the Mets, with the new ownership taking over and Steve Cohen, I don't think they're going to be talking to the Yankees, much less entertaining any offers 
for trade targets. I think that's something Cohen probably wants to do to establish some goodwill with the Mets fan base, show that, you know, he's not willing to give up pieces to the Yankees that he's going to be fighting with the Yankees. So I think for the time being, we could probably cross those players off the list. I would agree. I think uh, conversely, I think he'll probably be a little more open just because the Wilpons hated dealing with the Yankees, although they made no moves, obviously, really to go yeah. like to gain competitive advantages above us. Um, regardless of that, I do see your point. I don't think he'll flip either of them. Thor would be good, but at the same time, he's also coming off Tommy John, and I think he's supposed to be back even like later than Seve at this point because they got there. He got his. Yeah, he got his during the pandemic. I remember that. That was a big deal. I remember the radio was talking about, like, oh, is he selfish for getting his Tommy John surgery that he needed at the beginning? I mean, I get it, but it was a big talking point, I remember, at the time. Um, Yeah, so Matt's, Thor, those would be pretty good ones. Uh, I had a couple other in mind. Uh, One that's been mentioned uh, frequently from what I've been seeing uh, from, like, NJ.com and the Post, uh, Joe Musgrove of the Pirates and formerly the Astros. He's been rumored a couple times in the Yankees. Uh, good back-end option from what I've uh, seen. Um, his numbers this year, let me see if I can pull them up. Or pretty solid, good back-end uh, numbers. He made eight starts, ERA of 3.86, uh, FIP of 3.42. That's fielding independent metrics, uh, fielding independent pitching. Uh, I'm a stat head, by the way. I go to grad school for business analytics. Um so I'm usually the one that runs the numbers and whatnot. Um, he had really decent numbers this year. Career numbers, the ERA always looks high, but the FIP is usually pretty solid, honestly. Um, not really in line with what the ERA would show you. Um, Win-loss, we're not even going to talk about that. That goes out the window. He was 1-5, but the Pirates were the worst team in baseball, so you can't even you judge them. Yeah, but his numbers are pretty good. I think he'd be a solid number four, serviceable number five, of course. Um, okay. There's one player we haven't talked about who I think we missed due to it being pretty obvious is Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, he didn't receive the qualifying offer, so there was a lot of assumption that the Yankees are ready to move on, but I think this could be a situation where they're trying to get him on a different term, maybe a two, three-year deal, and maybe change those numbers off from the qualifying number. So I think that's definitely something to look out for. Absolutely. I think we all want Masa back. I think a decent chunk of the fan base expects him back. There's such a good relationship there. He loves being a Yankee. We love having him as a Yankee. I don't like, we've talked about this before, but he, like, who's the last universally loved Yankee? That, like, wasn't homegrown. Obviously, like, Jeter had some of his detractors, like, Mo, yeah. they, but they were all, like, homegrown and, like, loved. Like, I think. Does Matsui count? Because I think he was pretty universally loved. I think so, too. Like, they, you know, the last two, well, I mean, not Keigo, but I mean, the big Japanese stars that have hit, <laughs> they, yeah. they've been uh, very well loved, very well received. You know, they've seen people fancy them as good investments, so to speak. Uh, so uh, definitely want Masa back. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has their 2020-2021 top free agents and then like what they expect their deals to be. Uh, for Masa, he was listed as their 10th top free agent uh and they had him back to the yankees at about three years 39 million so that would be about 13 million a year more in line more or less in line of what i expect i think on the high end it's been like 354 i'm pretty sure has been like the number that's like been thrown around in the middle ground i think it was like three years 45 million so that's like 15 million a year so yeah i think that would probably be beneficial for both sides yankee can shore up that number three, number four, maybe even a two, depending on injury rotation spot. Mm-hmm. And Tanaka can spend what I'm assuming is going to be the rest of his career um, with the organization he came over for and hopefully get that ring he was he came over to America for. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a lot of unresolved business. He didn't really like the way this playoffs ended. We know he's a stud in the playoffs. Uh, he loves being a Yankee. We all love him. We want him back. Hopefully we get that done. Uh, I know some beat writers like Andy Martino from SNY and a couple other people were a little low on the Yankees chance of bringing him back. People think they'll prioritize DJ first. I mean, that's kind of a coin flip for me because we do need pitching, but I also do want to see DJ back because we don't have any other good options to take up second base unless you guys all want the Tyler Wade experience on an everyday basis. No, thank you. Yeah. Hard pass. If 
if we get to the point where Massa is no longer an option, I think we could be looking at a Charlie Morton one-year deal type of situation. Yeah, that's another one that's been discussed. Morton, uh, last time around, only took deals uh, closer to home. He lives in Florida with his family, I believe. Uh, not really sure how he's going to do it this time. He's from the Jersey area, I believe, originally. Uh, so makes you wonder if he would take a deal with the Yankees, like a one- or two-year deal. Uh, Rays had a pretty reasonable option for him. Well, I guess reasonable for most teams, both outside of COVID and outside of Tampa. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was like one. It was like an extra year, obviously, for fifteen million dollars. They rejected that, uh, declined that option. Uh, although the Rays, Eric Neander, their GM, said they were looking for creative ways, quote unquote, uh, to bring him back. Not really sure what they have in mind. Not paying him, I'm sure they're all about it. Yeah, take the vet men, as we all expect. Uh, yeah, you know, you're only a Cy Young candidate two years ago, but please take this pennies on the dollar contract. Um, if all free agency worked out that way, that'd be awesome. Obviously. Yeah, uh, especially this year, it's not going to happen. Yeah, this is going to be a very stagnant free agency. Um, I think the top guys get paid relatively fast, like Bauer, I think, and Riomoto and Springer. Or Actually, I think Bauer and Riomoto are the guys that get paid relatively fast, and then the other guys kind of wait around a little bit. Yeah, personally. I, think, I think it's all – a lot of the pitching deals are going to rest on what Bauer gets, although knowing Trevor, he might drag this out as long as he possibly can just for the fun of it. Yeah, he does like yeah. – he, he enjoys that. I mean, that's his want. Um, he's talked about those one-year deals that he would take for just really high AAV. Um, then he kind of bucked the trend. Him and his agent, uh, Rachel Lubo, said uh, they would uh, consider all offers no matter the length. So um, we'll see. I don't have him pegged to the Yankees. The Mets have been mentioned. I could definitely see them breaking the bank for him. Uh, yeah. I personally think he goes back home to SoCal, either to the Angels if he really wants to – try and fix that situation that is the los angeles angels no man on. that situation yeah, i don't know that i don't know who could fix that mike trout couldn't fix the angels no one can fix the angels <laughs> anthony rendon couldn't even fix mike trout yeah sad um i guess there that's been one team that's been rumored uh because they might be hiring dave dombrowski who is known for making just very big splashy moves um padres i think are the team that we had him pegged to uh i think him and Clevenger kind of want that reunion going yeah they're boys in their time in cleveland uh again socal kid padres up and coming potting team of course they were great this year fun to watch so definitely think he'll go back there um in terms of other pitching that we need uh relievers not the biggest concern i think starters are uh, the main target because we just need starting depth we saw the dodgers this year their bullpen wasn't fantastic, but you know what they did? They turned to their starting depth and used them in the playoffs. Julio yeah. Reyes closed out two of their clinching games. Yeah, uh, I mean, Kershaw figured it out. So, I mean. Yeah, Kershaw figured it out. We didn't do this. Yeah, Bueller was an you know, absolute stud, of course. They turned to Dustin May, who has a 99-mile-per-hour sinker and just, you know, breaks it at your knees yeah. if you're a righty. It could turn to him out of the bullpen, too. Obviously, we've had different – starters that are prospects at like different degrees become bullpen pieces. Loisig has one. Nick Nelson made a few appearances this year. Mike King. Yeah. They're not the studs, I guess, that these Dodger pitchers have been heralded as, but you know, you gotta hope that these guys turn into valuable bullpen pieces as well. Cause I don't throwing money at the bullpen was was smart when they did it. Picking up the option on Britain, I love that because he gives you diversity because he's not a strikeout pitcher. Um, I think you need some ground ball guys in that bullpen occasionally. Uh, can they, if he was healthy, I would feel a lot better both this season for next. Um, but uh, bullpen pieces, you have anyone in mind that you've been thinking of? Uh, I know there's a lot of options out there. So Honestly, not not in particular. I would love to get Adam Adovino back to his normal self. I think that's the one thing that we can control. That's something that we wouldn't be throwing extra money at. And I think, it might be the most valuable one. If you can get that slider back working and just get that location together, I think we'll, we'll be back and rolling with our, you know, seven, eight, nine inning road, you know, shutdown that we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to get Otto back on track. He's kind of gone the Dellen route where he lost his command uh, in the middle of the season. But honestly, that one game in 
Buffalo against Toronto, that was like the one outlier, the one where he let up like seven runs or something like that. Because outside of that, his numbers looked fantastic. It was just yeah. that one appearance. Very distrustful of pitchers once they have one shaky outing. And then we get into a situation where, you know, Debbie's getting pulled too soon and just things start falling apart. Yeah, we the circle of trust, I get it, because Boone's notorious for that, obviously, but Girardi had his faults with that, too. I think managers in general just have their guys that they want to pitch for the most part. We even saw it. We saw it in the World Series. Like, yeah. Kevin Cash should not have gone and Nick Anderson there. He should have pulled Blake Snell to begin with. But if he was going to the bullpen, people have all universally agreed it should not have been yeah. Nick Anderson. But he was in the circle of trust, regardless of what happened, you know, with the Dodgers killing him, with the Yankees also killing him, too. Like, it's just – Matters either set guys in mind. Hopefully, Otto can get back on track. That would be as uh, Cashman called a, or usually calls uh, a nice midseason acquisition, an in-house yeah. acquisition. Everyone's favorite turn of phrase. Yeah, we didn't make any moves because we felt the guys in house were the guys that we want to go to war with, which is nice because you do you're supposed to show faith in your guys, but it's also maddening when you're expecting big splashing moves and you don't get me. <laughs> yeah, it's more maddening when you're having consistent lack of playoff success and then expecting an injured player to come back and get you over that hump. Um, so I definitely think there's room for some acquisitions. I don't have any names pegged. Um, nothing on my radar as of yet. Um, but I definitely think this could be a problem that can be fixed internally, but should have some external pieces added in. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys I have in mind. Nobody that's, like, super flashy. Brad Hand, obviously, is the big name that people are going to be talking about because the Indians also declined his uh, $10 million player option, I believe, um, which, again, reasonable in a non-COVID time. I, even for the Cleveland, who, you know, is trying to cost-cut. Um, yeah. He's one. I don't know if the Yankees will really go for that because they just picked up Britain's option, so I think they'll see him as, like, a lateral move for the most part between obviously they're both lefties they're not the same type of pitcher but they you know they would have seen that as a lateral move um in terms of bounce back candidates like guys we could possibly pick up on the cheap uh robertson's back out there coming off tommy john i think we can get him on a minor league deal if you want to see what he has left in the tank he's 38 um so i'm not expecting much but it would be interesting i mean i think i think d-rob would be a nice move i think he would come back to the yankees situation i know some of those Phillies guys had some bad taste in their mouth but, um, you know, get help wherever you can get it, especially in this COVID stressed out year. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Robertson would be a good guy to come back. Um, other guys that would be bounce back, Kirby Yates, dominant closer for the Padres past few years. Um, he's coming off elbow surgery. Not Tommy John. He had, like, bone chips or bone spurs removed from his elbow. Ex-Yankee. He's the guy that actually learned his splitter that became, like, a big weapon uh, off of Massa. So, Yankees have had him around before. I wonder if they would potentially look for a reunion. Um, he obviously didn't pitch this year or pitch much this year, and when he did, he wasn't great. Um, but that'd be cool if they could get him on a bounce-back deal just because there's familiarity there. Uh, in terms of actual relievers who were pretty solid this year, uh, I usually look for retreads. The Yankees don't actually go that way um, sometimes. They have, obviously, when they reacquired Robertson back in 2017. But uh, Justin Wilson, uh, he was a lefty that actually turned into Sessa uh, and – Chad Green, surprisingly. Uh, he's been with the Mets the past few years. He's pitching in New York. He gets both righties and lefties out. Um, pretty decent strikeout numbers, I believe. Uh, I don't know how much he would want. He made decent money with the Mets the past few years. Uh, his numbers this year, 3.66 ERA, 23 games, 23 strikeouts. So a strikeout per game in 19 two-thirds innings. The FIP was 3.04. Uh, last year, 2.54 ERA. In 2019, uh, 45 games. Yeah, I mean, the numbers have been great historically. Uh, only one pretty bad year, and that was like a second half with Chicago in 2017. Um, yep. I think he would be a good addition. He made he signed with the Mets, and it was a two-year, $10 million deal. I mean, I don't really know if he got that second time around. He'll be 33 now, um, but that's a guy to look at. I think that nobody's really talking about. He wouldn't be a splashy acquisition for the bullpen. He's not a closer type, but would be good. Also good to get a lefty in there. And he's a lefty that can get out righties, which is huge. Yeah. Obviously, people, when they think about lefty relievers, think about the one-out guys, which we can't even use anymore because the three-batter rule. Um, and then one last retread that I thought about was uh, Shane Green. Uh, he's been with the Braves uh, past couple seasons. Pretty solid numbers this year. Not really closer material. He's done the closing gig before. Um, he is 32 years old. 
Um, 2.60 ERA in 28 games, 3.81 FIP. So a little bit of disparity there. Uh, strikeout numbers, 21 and 27 two-thirds innings. So he's not really a strikeout pitcher per se, but I feel like we do have enough of those guys in the bullpen for the most part. He... I don't, I don't think these guys would cost much. I know, I think ESPN had a ranking free agents and they were of like top 150 and they were towards like the back end. You know, relievers are valued high if you're very good, like the Liam Hendrixes of the world. He's going to get a lot of money from some team, but I don't think these guys will get that much. So could be some dudes to look at. Uh, and then trade candidates, always expect to, you know, one or two maybe for a couple of low-end arms. We've seen it. Like I said, I just mentioned Sessa and Green back in the day. They were looked as starters, couldn't do the starting, switched to relieving. So, you know, look out for that. There's those are those guys you always see, like former failed prospects or low-end guys. I couldn't tell you any names, but expect that. Yeah. And then, I mean, maybe a reunion with Andrew Miller, but I think that – I think his contract tag is going to be too high for the Yankees to want to get into that, especially having to put trade pieces into it. Yeah, it's either that or uh, he's bad. He's been a little shaky and obviously injury prone, but I think he has a vesting option that might have hit too. So he might be with the Cardinals for another year, unless they're looking to unload him, which would be cool. Too. Yeah, you definitely have to pry him away from the Cardinals. But yeah, I mean, Yankees do love reunions sometimes. I mean, we're looking at Lance Lynn, Shane Green. So see yeah. how it goes. Yeah, I mean, going back to your Alex Reyes theory too. I guess if we could tack on Miller as like a salary dump, that could be something to look out for. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to – you're going to be losing a lot of prospects in that deal. I mean, you're talking Andahar plus plus. Um, I mean, I think every team now probably wants Frazier in a deal. That's probably the number one person they're saying. It's got to um, be. I think the Yankees are probably going to hang on to Frazier, potential one-year Brett Gardner deal pending. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. But um, I think after you get a team to stop looking at Clint you're probably talking Andy plus. And I think if you're, if you're able to get Alex Reyes and Andrew Miller, even though he has been injury prone and you're taking on a bit more salary, I think that's something that you're going to have to look at. Yeah. And uh, good that you brought up Garner. That kind of brings us to like the last portion of this free agency uh, off season sort of recap that uh, I wanted to touch on uh, bringing back Gardner. Uh, not really a hot, hot topic kind of is obviously the decline, the option of him. Uh, 12 and a half million for one season after the up and down quintessential Brett Gardner year that he had seemed like a little too hefty to begin with. Uh, I do expect him back at this point. Do I want him back? Not necessarily from like a roster building perspective. You have Talkman on the roster and he does most of the things that Brett does. Obviously rough year. He couldn't hit meatballs, which is very concerning, but he plays solid defense. He does most of the things that Brett does. I don't really see a need to bring Gardner back unless you really want to cut into Frazier's at-bats again, which is dumb to me, personally speaking. Yeah. I think the thing that Brett Gardner brings is twofold. I think it's veteran presence, which every team loves to say is a need in the locker room. And it is a lefty bat, which the Yankees are severely lacking in, especially when Hicks is down. Um, So I can foresee them bringing him back, I think. Cashman probably wants to bring him back until they win another World Series just to close that bridge between players <laughs> over from 09. Um, but I'm firmly in the camp of give Frazier left field um, and let him have those at-bats because the power that we've seen from Clint was overwhelming, especially in the playoffs. And don't forget, he is a Gold Glove finalist. We're about to find out tonight, I believe, uh, if he's going to win one, uh, as well as Gio Urshela. Hopefully uh, one of our boys takes that home, or yeah. both. Clint winning a gold glove would be the biggest upset, I think, more unexpected than anything else this season. Um, yeah. But I do want to see the Yankees give Clint the starting role. I think if you can get over the hump of relying on veteran leadership in the locker room that you get from Brett – um, I think you should go get a lefty bat somewhere else. Yeah. Um, we have some creative options on that. Uh, do you want to discuss that? Yeah, we'll discuss that probably like next episode. We have a couple more free agent ideas in terms of just infield building and uh, what we could do with the outfield, uh, a little more trade ideas. We'll touch on those too. Um, I guess we could talk about Gary Sanchez in terms of moving him. 
Uh, I had an idea maybe that we could flip him for someone's starter that hasn't really worked out because this also ties into just like being starting pitching. Um, we could talk about replacing him also in the next episode. Um, my idea for Gary was flipping him to Colorado for John Gray. Uh, he was a Yankees draft pick actually back in 2011. Most people don't remember this or know this. Uh, he was a 10th round pick of them, didn't sign, went to the University of Oklahoma, eventually became a first round pick and then picked third overall by the Rockies, uh, I believe in 2013. Um, has had an up and down career so far. Uh, some years he looks like an ace. Other years he's looked pretty terrible. It's a little bit of the Colorado factor, of course. You know, pitching at course is not easy. Um, but his bread and butter is a fastball slider, like Seve and like uh, uh, Cole, of course. The Yankees love that. Um, they're used to this type of guy, so I think he could be an option to look at. He only has a year left of control of team control. Gary has two. Um, he's one guy that I thought we could flip for. Also, watching Gary in Colorado, if he can finally start making contact again, which would be awesome to see for yeah. everybody. The guy might hit 50 home runs, honestly. If he, yeah, he would can, relish that opportunity. Yeah, his stats would be the most inflated Colorado numbers you've ever seen if he can start making contact again. Yeah, um, number one question, which is why he's on our trade block. But Correct. We'll have to see if he's on the actual trade block for the Yankees. You know, if they've – Boone put his support behind him because that's what Boone does. He really doesn't throw guys under the bus. Cough, cough, Girardi. Um, that's one guy I've thought about. Another one was uh, Matt Boyd from uh, Detroit there in that about to come out of the rebuild uh, landscape right now, obviously hiring Hinch. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of in that limbo where they might start selling off pieces. They kind of missed their opportunity to get a big haul for Boyd because a couple years ago they had asked for Glaber as the headlining uh, piece or Anduhar. I remember they asked for one of the two. That was back in 2018 when they are both rookies. And all of us, Cash included, scoffed at that idea. He's high strikeout guy, high walk guy. He uh, doesn't hasn't really – Finesse is control yet, um, but he also has two years control left, I believe, uh, in terms of uh, contract status. Uh, could just be one of those, you know, our failed guy for your failed guy type of swaps. I don't really know if it would work from a money perspective for either team, although Detroit has been willing to spend before. Their owners are rel- known for relatively spending. They've been cutting back uh, since the Prince Fielder, Ian Kinsler, Cabrera days, but they're about to come out of a rebuild. So I don't know. Maybe you want to have a catcher there just for the future or as a placeholder for the next guy. Um, those are two guys that I thought about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll uh, come back with part two of uh, our off-season plan. Hopefully no major moves are made within that time frame. We're not really sure. I think we're going to find out about DJ's qualifying offer, which, I mean, I'm fully expecting him to turn down. Um, I think he wants some more stability. He want, He definitely wants some years, and I think he can – I think he's one of the guys on the market that can pull out more value even in a down money year, especially due to this MVP consideration, just the numbers he put up consistently throughout the season. Yeah, the numbers on him have been varying in terms of just like where he'll land. Um, on the low end, I've seen like three years, $54 million, which I could not believe as an actual deal for him just because the values provided. But people have pointed out he plays a position that's not in high demand, uh, mostly plays second base. Obviously, he can play third and first, but – um, and he's on the wrong side of 30. He's 32. Um, so people, you know, teams will take that into consideration as well. So we'll see uh, what he gets. I do expect him to turn down the QO as well. Um, hopefully he returns in pinstripes. I would definitely love to see him back. But uh, in the event of something happening there or if nothing happens, uh, we'll definitely talk about that and what kind of options the Yankees uh, can look for uh, yeah. in terms of putting together a similar lineup to what they've had. So for the last segment, um, keeping with the theme, we're going to do Mind the Gap. The gap being this subject has, it's tangentially related to the Yankees. Um, It is founded in baseball, so don't worry about that. Uh, We're going to talk about Rob Manfred's recent comments about kind of leaning towards putting the World Series in a neutral site for the years to come, um, even past this expanded playoff type of scenario. Um, I, and along with most of the other social media heads I've seen so far say this is a terrible idea. I'm agreeing with them for that. I think there's too much value provided um, with having a team play in their home stadium, Uh, especially in terms of fan noise, um, the rowdiness, 
the culture, the atmosphere. It's something that you get through the TV, even if you're not at the game or living in the city. Um, you know, there's nothing that matches the feeling of being at the stadium, but hearing the fans cheer for every hit or booing when the opposing team is doing well is something that's not, you're not going to get that in a neutral site field. No, absolutely not. Uh, I've been to my fair share of playoff games uh, recently and uh, throughout my life. Uh, I, if you're my friend I've, and you're a Yankee fan, I've told you this ad nauseum. Greatest experience of my life uh, has, or one of the great experiences, at least in sports, uh, has been that 2012 ALDS game, the Raul Ibanez, Ibanez walk-off home run. The stadium shook, man. I was in the second deck, third deck, the, the stadium shook. I've been there for the Greg Bird home run against Andrew Miller. I'm pretty sure I blacked out for a hot second from cheering um, just because how loud the place got. And then, uh, you know, shout out to my guys uh, from college, Jack, Jeff, Chuck, Manuel. Uh, we were there when uh, Didi hit the Grand Slam 2019. Um, you know, life-changing moments like that. We saw the Aaron Judge home run in the wild card game that let off, you know, um, th- that place gets rowdy. We want that atmosphere. Oakland yeah. during the playoffs – that place for how bad the Coliseum is you could say whatever you want about that stadium but the fans show up that's a place that gets yeah. rowdy um city field during the Mets run that place got rowdy Dan you were there uh when the Mets played the Dodgers when you were out in college like what was that yeah like? Dodgers fans go wild I was I had a Mets hat on trying to represent some of my friends from back home who do love the Mets um and I was getting elbows from the Dodgers fans throughout the game especially after the Mets won uh, that's <laughs> Something I won't forget, probably something I shouldn't have done in hindsight. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's an experience you're not going to get. I mean, I'm thinking back to this year's World Series at Arlington, I'll still call it. I mean, of course. stadium aesthetics aside, especially on the exterior, which are just a Costco with a baseball field inside of it. Yeah, I mean, right. it was just weird. I, discounting the fact that fans were allegedly socially distanced um, and there weren't a lot of fans – uh, in the immediate rows from the field it just wasn't the same you were seeing fans who were wearing garb of other teams there were some Astros fans there it just felt off it didn't feel like a fight for the championship in baseball it felt like an exhibition game that you would see in the London series or right. in the playoffs you know the cornfield series in Iowa it's just not the same atmosphere yeah absolutely, yeah, absolutely. some of that comes some of that from, comes from- uh, just like, you know, the neutral site, they had to do that because of COVID, of course. So, I mean, that's a factor, obviously. But, um, yeah, going forward in a hopefully post-COVID world, um, they don't do this. I don't want to see this become the Super Bowl. Yeah. It works for football because, you know, it's just it's, it's one game. It's not a seven-game series, I yeah. think. And they pack that place out. Obviously you can pack a place out for the world series pretty easily, but I don't think the level of intensity would be there with a bunch of neutral fans. From what I've... The same enthusiasm. Like you're not going to have the guys who you see at stands before a playoff game. You're not going to have those people at the game. You're going to have, if you have Yankee fans in large numbers, they're going to be either local residents who haven't been either watching the entire season, cheering as hard as they can, whatever you could say about that, or you're going to have corporate fans who are flying in from New York or similar areas who aren't going to be as enthusiastic, as passionate as the scumbag Yankee fans as we've come to enjoy them. So I think there's definitely a cultural element of the teams that's going to be missing uh, if these games are held at a neutral site. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've been to stands, we've been to Billy's, um, the atmosphere at those places, and it carries over into the stadium, you know, uh, you're not – you will not get that at a neutral site. From what I've heard, the fans were mostly Dodgers fans this time around, which was good, but I heard it was, like, broken up between, I, I don't know, roughly, like, a little over half Dodgers fans, decent chunk neutral, and then a small amount of Rays fans that I don't believe actually exist. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's not going to be the same. People will travel, of course. There are well-traveled fan bases, absolutely. Like we, you know, Yankee fans are notorious for packing out the Trop, packing out uh, Camden Yards. But, you know, that's along the East Coast. Yeah, I think one of the concerns would be, you know, God forbid the Yankees don't make a World Series every year. But if you have a World Series between two small market teams, if the Rays are back 
and they're playing, say, the Padres, and the game is held, I don't know, Detroit, you're not going to have fans from either side going to the games, aside from a very select couple, I would cap it at maybe 2,000 total, or some low amount like that. You're just not going to get the same support. Probably not. And I guess what Manfred is anticipating is that, like, the big fan, the bigger market teams would be the ones that are obviously competing, which is just unrealistic. Obviously, we just saw the Dodgers in the World Series. We're about to see, uh, we could have seen, uh, well, we could have seen the Padres. You know, they were in the NLDS. uh, You know, would be, I would assume, a smaller turnout. Yeah. I mean, there's, you never know. The playoffs are a crapshoot for the most part. um, And you can't expect these big, franchises these big teams to show up every year and you can't expect you know that fan base that's well traveled to you know show up um it's a dumb idea we have our gripes of manfred we all hear him throughout these episodes for sure um during these segments but uh yeah a neutral site not a good idea um expanded playoffs we'll talk about at some point as well yeah. um we have some thoughts for sure um and ideas and ways that it could possibly work or not work um any last thoughts dan no i think this was a pretty decent first episode technical difficulty aside um <laughs> we're gonna I, have the kinks i think if you made it through the entire thing things are gonna get a lot smoother from here on out i think this was a pretty decent first experience um and hopefully once the baseball hot stove starts picking up these episodes will start getting churned out a little bit faster and we're gonna have a lot more discussion points for you guys at home yeah, I mean, you know, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making it this far. Um, despite what the title says, the podcast is not daily. Um, you'll, you can follow us on Twitter at DTrainDaily. Uh, no underscores, no dashes, anything like that. Um, we'll try to drop the episode as soon as possible. We're recording this on November 3rd, Election Day. Hopefully everyone's going to go vote. Um, that's as much as I'll say. We'll be standing at the end of today, so this episode can get uploaded. Yep, we will uh, leave it at that for election day. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. We're both full-time students right now too and post-undergrad uh, stuff. So they won't be coming as frequent, but hopefully, uh, you know, hot stuff gets rolling and uh, we have some thoughts. We'll probably try to do quick episodes here and there if possible. Um, yeah. yeah, guys, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.